<laughs> amen, amen. I'll just say this real quick. God wins in the end, so we have nothing to worry about. All right, so before I get into the message, and I'm going to have some people come up and speak on youth camp, I want to give a big thank you to everyone who donated towards our, our bus or even helped sponsor children. You guys have no idea how much that means to these kids, means to the leaders that you guys are stepping out in faith and blessing us and allowing these kids to go to things like this. So from the bottom of my heart and from the, our team, thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. Thank you. And if you didn't have a chance to donate or help this time, summer camp is just around the corner. Be prayerful about it. Find out what God will have you do to help get a child there because the plugged-in camps, these kids leave change, and we want every kid to have an opportunity to go. So there are plenty of opportunities to help and donate and serve or pray. We take whatever you can give, even prayer, because we want these kids to experience the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right, so I want to start off with a few testimonials, and I want to have Chelsea, Alan, Grace, McKenna and Kate come up and speak. And they're just going to share kind of their perspective on what happened at camp. And I got a nice range of people, people whose first camp, leaders, and even kids who have been before. So McKenna has to get back some let her speak really quickly, okay? You can go second. Got this, McKenna. Give us my courage. You want to go second? It was McKenna's first um, trip, so I'm really excited to hear what she's going to tell you guys. Um, uh, you know, coming from, from a chaperone's perspective, the only reason I was going was to be a chaperone and I was going to chill in the room and take naps and, and let the kids, because we have some awesome kids and they know how to behave. Thank you. Um, so I was going to take naps the whole time, but it was just, there was just too much fun going on, too much excitement, too much to be in. And I'm glad that I got to go because there's so many testimonies and problems that kind of came up to me that I was just like shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, I never had no idea that that was what you were going through. Um, And I mean, there was one girl that was in our group and she's about to go off to college and she's just terrified. She doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. And she was just kind of scared about having to make money. And she's like, you know, my parents are telling me I need or or in fear that I'm not going to make enough money. And I'm like, and it came to realize that she had this generational fear that, you know, she had to do what was enough to make money and that she didn't need to do it what was in her heart for what God wanted her to do. And my advice to her was, you know, break off that generational curse first. Take care of yourself first before you worry about what your future is because God's going to give them, all these kids, they've got so many opportunities to go and, and administer or minister people the word of God. And, you know, the ones that are about to go up to Africa, this is it's an amazing opportunity that they're getting to do. So it's just coming from an adult's perspective, it, it was beautiful. There were some other emotional, um, like, like, moments that I can kind of get teary-eyed just thinking about, but just seeing the kids just break off all their pains and their chains and, and just worship God was the best part. So. so I'll speak on McKenna's behalf. Just thank you for trying at least. So McKenna, this was her first camp, and always first camp is always kind of overwhelming because they're not sure what's going on, a lot's happening. But um, she had a great time. She got to meet some new people, got to bond with kids in the youth group, and she even got to be prayed over. I know I had the opportunity to pray over her and just blessings over her. And then 
the group, if you saw one picture in there where we're all circled around somebody, that was the entire youth group praying over McKenna because one of her legs was uh, hurting, and so we prayed healing over her, and she received her healing. Amen? Right? So McKenna had a great time. I'm looking forward to having her just dive further in with the youth group and get to go to more plugged-in camps, and she is going to do amazing, amazing things for God. But right now, she is helping out in the church and serving in preschool, so McKenna, you are free to go. Thank you so much for coming. All right, so Kate wants to share something. Um, so as a lot of you know, that our church is going on a mission trip to Africa in April. And one night during um, uh, one of our services, Zach said if anyone is having a financial problems, like raising money for anything, just um, he, we said a prayer over it. And I had been having some hard times just trying to get up all the money for this trip. And when I came home, I came home to some checks from my grandfather and my cousins to help me make, make the next payment uh, for our trip. So that was great. But I also prayed about how um, something would be awesome revealed in Africa. But I come home to find out that I can't go because of, I've missed too much school. Um, but this is kind of tying in today's service. But um, I realized that... Uh, um, he is a way maker and a miracle worker, and I feel like I'm still going to go to Africa. Somehow, there's going to be a way that I'm going to go. Yes, amen. All right. Um, so before camp, like, I remember specifically two weeks before camp, I was thinking, you know, like, what was I expecting? And I wasn't really expecting anything. Like, um, the only thing I've been worried about this past year has been like school, but it's not even a huge deal. And I was like, well, maybe it's my year to like help others and encourage others. And then come to find out like a couple of days later, New Leaf was closing, which was a huge part of my life. And so it was like a shocker. And God was like, you know, like, um, it was like really, it was scary timing, but it was good timing because camp was coming up and I knew that I was going to get a lot of answers um, from God and he was going to speak to me there. And then a few days later, I found out my dad was going to, um, a lot of you don't know this, may not know this, but um, he's going to look at a job in Tennessee. And then a few days later, I found out he got the job. And <laughs> so it's been scary for me because we might end up moving. He's kind of like doing a trial period. Um, so I was like, Alan, <laughs> you're terrible. <laughs> of course. Okay, well... Um, so then I was going into camp um, looking just for affirmation from God, um, just that my parents were making the right decision because it was hard for me to understand. And I knew that they were seeking God through it all and that they were doing the best thing for our family, but it was scary for me, and it still is. <laughs> um, so I was just looking for hope and joy and affirmation that um, everything was right. And then leading up to camp, there were a lot of little things that people would say or that they do, that it was God, like, showing me that, you know, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Like, some of my teachers would, like, mention little things about Tennessee or, like, I would see little things around. Um, and that was his way of showing me that, like, I'm in control and I know what I'm doing. And this isn't specifically about camp, but it's been really huge for me in this little past month of going through this. But... I was packing for camp, and I was kind of procrastinating, and I was, like, looking through Instagram, and I um, stumbled upon this. Um, I, when I 
before Auburn Fellowship, I went to a church, and they had a, like, youth leader that was, like, in training at Auburn University, and so she worked with our church. And I didn't know her super well, but I still follow her on Instagram. And I haven't seen her in, like, three years, and I saw that she got engaged. So I went to her account, and I was, like, looking at all the pictures of them, and I stumbled upon this picture of them at a Christmas party, and the caption was, Merry Groove Christmas, which is kind of weird. But the company my dad's working for, or he's working for, is Groove Ring. And then I looked, and she tagged the company. So it was like, God showing me that, you know, three years ago, I planned for you to meet her so that it would be affirmation that you're supposed to go to Tennessee. I don't know. And he was showing me that he is sovereign, and he's in control. And so that was really huge for me. And that was like two days before camp. And so I was like, okay, God, I know that you are good. You're in control. And um, (laughs) that wasn't even the camp part. But um, uh, so going into camp, I was just looking, you know, for affirmation and just like, um, I don't know, just to God just show me just things about it. And um, I wasn't really specifically looking for anything, but um, on, I think it was like the second night, Jeremy had a word for me. He was just standing in the back, and um, he like turned to Stephen, I think, and he was like, I have a word for grace. And what they do is like, they don't send a boy leader to go get the girls. They have to get a girl leader. And so he got Chelsea, and they came over to me, and she grabbed my hand, And, like, immediately I was holding on to all this stuff, and I was... Because I knew that a lot of people were praying for me, because a lot of people knew what was happening. And so I was like, oh, you know, like, I don't really need prayer. People are already praying for me. But God told me, he was like, you need to get prayer. And I was like, no, people are already praying for me. And, (laughs) but he sent someone. He was like, well, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to send someone to pray for you. So that was Chelsea and Jeremy. And... When Chelsea grabbed me, I just, like, fell into her. And she wasn't even there to pray for me. She was there to get me so that Jeremy could tell me something. But (laughs) it just kind of happened. And so I was just um, crying. And Chelsea prayed over me. And it was things that I don't even know if she knew exactly what was going on. But the words that she said were exactly what I needed to hear. And that was what God was doing through her. And so as he was praying over me, or she was praying over me, um, I just like, I felt, like, all the tension and the stuff that I was holding on to just, like, go away. And I could almost physically feel, like, the tears going back into my eyes. I was just, like, filled with joy. And so it was really, really awesome. And so um, so what I really learned was God is sovereign, and he's in control, and he knows what he's doing. And I made, like, a commitment to God that um, through it all, even when it's hard, I'm going to continue to praise him. I give him the glory, and that I will go out into Tennessee, into my new school, and I'm just going to proclaim his name. You have 30 seconds. 30 seconds, okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, the camp started with me, for me last summer. Last summer camp was uh, one of the worst summer camps for me. I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. Um, I just felt, I felt kind of useless, couldn't do anything, I went down late, uh, left early, so I missed all the good, fun stuff, like welcoming everybody and 
kicking them out and cleaning up and doing all the, the stuff I like to do. I like to do the behind the scenes. You know, you see me up on stage, but I really like doing behind the scenes stuff just to help out whatever, wherever I can. And I just felt like nothing was clicking last summer. But uh, I came to winter camp, and the first thing was, like, four or five kids came over, ran over to me, and, like, so not from our church, but from other groups, and just like, hey, remember we did this last summer? And I was like, we did all this last summer? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I mean, for me, it was God was like just co- confirming with me like that I belong <laughs> where, where I am and what I'm doing. And um, uh, this winter was different from, for all of us because um, usually we go and we're like really confident in our youth being like the spiritual leaders of the camp, and this year, this this winter, there's a lot of hurt, a lot of, heartbreak, and uh, not just them, but just a lot of the youth there, and, uh, sorry, but I saw, I saw God just working in each of them. Grace, Kate with Abby, with um, even Connect Church was with us, and there was a lot of hurt within their group as well. And just God just using all of us to just, you know, He prepared me prior, prior to even going. I didn't know what was going on. But, um, like, I had to work through some stuff, like the like campfire before, we had a campfire right before camp, and, like, I just tossed some stuff. I'm good, I'm good, I got it. I got it. I um, tossed some stuff out myself because God knew He needed me to be at the at the top of 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 my game with Him and and uh, but the, the the work that God was doing at the camp, like He um, the whole theme. If you saw the last thing, it was called trendsetters, and and uh, it wasn't a spiritual hype. It was you know preparing people for service, doing doing things in our schools, our workplace, not just being a pew warmer, but actually just serving God in whatever way we can. Um, and it doesn't even have to be like a spiritual thing. It doesn't have to be like you're, you're quoting the gospel to everybody, but just um, I, some of the things that Stephen had mentioned, some of the things that he saw me doing, and I was like, I wasn't even thinking of that as service, but like just picking up trash off of a table at a restaurant or... Um, Anything like that, like just, just to show God's love, like that God is there, God is in this world, and He is working through us. And if we don't continue to do it, we're going to have things like we had in in New York, and those things are going to continue and continue if we don't set the example. And we need to be that light. We need to be the people that that God can rely on. And if we're just sitting around here doing nothing, we just come here on Sunday and. Maybe pick up the Bible in the middle of the week or something like that. We're, just, we're, we're not doing what God's called us to do. He, he has a calling on our lives. And these kids were figuring it out this past weekend. It was, their hearts are just opening and like, I know what I need to do. I, I, I know things are going to be there. But I need to, if she wants to go to, on the mission trip to Africa, if she, God's going to make a way. You know, oh, God's not going to hold us back. He's going to put us where we need to be. And if you don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. So, and that, on that note, just you know, be, be the trendsetter. Be, be a person of service who's willing to step out 
and do whatever. I mean, it doesn't even have to be, like I said, it doesn't have to be spiritual. It can be just an act of kindness, love towards one another. And, and people don't even really socialize with very much. But who are we in our workplace? Who are we in our schools? Do they see God through us? That's it. Thank you, guys. Y'all can take a seat. So as you can see, winter camp changed lives. And what I love about what Zach and his team does is that it's just not all for the kids. I mean, the adults get just as much out of it as anybody. I did want to share one more testimony. This is from Ian O'Hara. He can't be here today. He's with his mom up in North Carolina. But he wanted me to share his testimony. This is brief. He said, uh, plugged in was life-changing. It helped me open my eyes to the Lord again and meet some really awesome new people and build strong bonds with the ones I already knew. And I love that about these camps because these kids go and make these lifelong friendships from different churches, from different places. And camp is that place to come back to and, like, catch up with your friends and see what life has been like. I mean, they have social media, but just to be there face-to-face and see their friends and then talk about what life was happening in life is just awesome. And even with our kids, we had a lot of success stories. We had two kids receive Christ that weekend. Um, we had one child rededicate his life. We had three who were filled with the Holy Spirit, and one actually received their, received their prayer language and spoke in tongues for the first time. And like we were saying, um, there was a lot of emotional hurt that was healed this time. But even as I look at the camp itself, every camp has been different. My first winter camp was special because I was not used to that atmosphere that Isbos can tell you. They sat me down before camp just like, Keith, you're about to experience some things. You need to know about this because I knew I grew up Church of Christ and the Holy Spirit movements did not happen. So they had to prepare me for that and it was wonderful. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues and just left on fire for God. And then even at those, that camp and that first summer camp, seeing just physical healing happen was awesome. In this past winter camp and even part of this, um, I mean, this past summer camp and this past winter camp, there was a lot of emotional hurts that we saw kids being released from. But even more so this winter camp, I saw not so much physical healing. I did see some kids letting go of things. But I saw kids who needed a word from God and they were just spoken over. Um, I'm reminded of one child who was looking, um, the one she was talking about, was looking for direction and guidance on what to do for school, and she was praying and believing God for that. But instead of giving her clear direction, she, a student came up from a different church, prayed over her, and said, God wants you to know that he's got you. And at that point, that's all she needed to know, is that no matter what was going on, decision or not, he had her in the palm of her hands. So she had nothing to worry about. So that's what I love about each plugged-in camp, because they're all different, they're all special. So if you have not been to one and looking forward to going to one, come out. You will definitely leave changed. All right, so my message runs about 45 minutes an hour, so I hope you brought some water and some bathroom breaks. We'll get those in a minute. I'm just kidding. It's not that long. But I did want to bring a message for you guys, not so much geared towards the youth, but a message that I know is from God and for everybody to hear. So the theme for camp was trendsetters. And a definition we're going to work with is one that initiates or popularizes a trend. This would be a pace setter, a pacemaker, or a leader. And so when it comes to looking at a trendsetter, the question I pose to everybody is, what kind of trendsetter do you want to be? Over camp, we had a lot of great speakers. That first night was just a night of worship. Pastor Zach got up and just talked about Jesus being the ultimate trendsetter. 
and how he's the one we should be looking to, to mirror, to mimic so our lives can be like his so we can walk like he did. The second night was awesome. We're right in the middle of worship, and then the entire power grid goes out for most of Chelsea, Alabama, and we're sitting there with just the emergency lights on, and these kids are still just pressing into worship. The enemy tried to stop it, like, nope, it's not going to happen, but these kids just kept pressing into worship. They went on, this power's out for over an hour, it's for two hours. It's supposed to be out for four hours, but it was out for two hours, and these kids still just pressed into God, kept worshiping. And then Pastor Jim McCann from Victory Church gets up and he talked about, as trendsetters, we're to go out and speak the word of God to people so they can understand his love, his grace, and his mercy. And right when it seemed like we were about to close things up, power came back on, and we just kept on going for like another couple of hours. So it's amazing how God works in these camps. And then we had Pastor Adam uh, Parker from Harvest Church come up, and he spoke about how, as trendsetters, we should not be complacent. God did not call us to be complacent. He called us, he called us to keep pursuing and persevering in the things of the Lord so we can keep moving forward as we bring forth the kingdom of heaven. So it was awesome hearing from him. And then... Um, that last day is usually a time of testimony. And one that sticks out to me is this one youth gets up, and she had dyslexia, and she was saying one of the pastors, Pastor Dusty from Life of Faith Church, who we actually room with in our cabin, he came up, when, he came up that night of uh, worship, that second night when the power was out, and he just started just sharing the gospel and just talking so eloquently and just touched everybody there with just his words and what God was doing through him. And this girl gets up on that last day and says, I battle with dyslexia. Um, side, side note, he used to battle with dyslexia. Pastor Jim came up and said he had dyslexia and ADHD, but look at him now. God is using him powerfully for the kingdom and for his youth group. And this girl gets up and she's like, he inspired me. Because of him, I know that I'm going to be healed of this disease and that I'll one day be able to share the gospel like he's doing with my friends, with my family, with whoever it may be. And I'm not going to let this dyslexia define me. So already we're seeing God just break down walls and build people up at these camps. So like I said, trendsetter, leader, what kind do you want to be? And before you can be a leader, you have to be able to follow. So I ask this next question. What is first in your life? It's important to know what is first in your life because this will do three things. It can dictate your response to stress or problems or your actions. It can dictate your feelings or emotions. It can even dictate your responses to, your responses to people with your words. So it's important to know what you have first. If you're allowing the things of the world to run your life, this could be with the news, with relationships, with money, with um, food, whatever it may be that is worldly, I'd wager that you're going through this kind of up and down wave-like motion. You have these moments of super highs, everything's great, but then you drop down and things are dark and depressing. You kind of stay there for a while. Then something good comes along, you're kind of back up, but you're noticing this up and down wave motion when you walk in the ways of the world. But if you're allowing Christ to be first in your life, which he should be, because Ephesians 5 says, be imitators of Christ. He is the one we should be looking to, the one who guides us in the ways of his, in his ways, in the ways of the kingdom, so we can not just go through these up and down motions. Not to say that you won't have good days and bad days. Any seasoned Christian in here will tell you, you will have good days and you will have bad days. But those do not dictate our responses. 
because we have put Christ first, he is the one who will help us with our actions, help us with our words, and help us with our emotions. Christ is the ultimate trendsetter. He is the ultimate leader. So for the person who is looking to see what is first in your life, you've got to step back and reflect on what you're taking in, what you are feeding on, what is coming into your ears and through your eyes. Self-reflection is so, so important. A lot of times we want to sit, problem comes, we want to jump right at it and attack it. When God is saying, whoa, 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 back up, rest, turn inward, look to me and I will guide you. Self-reflection is so, so, so important. And when you figure out what's going on and what's guiding you and what you have first, then you can start making changes. A trendsetter is someone who initiates change or is an agent of change. But that change has to start with you. And that's why that time reflection is so, so, so important. And so I could go with the traditional uh, trendsetter and go with Christ. But I feel like with new believers especially, they look at the life of Christ and they're like, there's no way I can live like him. There's no way I can do what he can do. And of your own strength, you can't. But as you walk more and more with them, you realize that it's not you doing the work, it's the Holy Spirit inside of you doing the work. But to keep things easy, I'm going to talk about a different trendsetter. And this comes from my time of study. So if you're taking notes, which I hope you have been, we'll be in the book of Nehemiah, starting in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And Nehemiah was an awesome, awesome trendsetter. I studied him and read through his book, and man, it just really just lit a fire inside of me. But before I get into the scripture, I've got to do a little backstory with you. So, nation of Israel at one point was all together, one big nation. Then after King Saul, King David, then King Solomon, the Lord goes and splits the nation into northern Israel and southern Judah. And in both kingdoms you had good kings, bad kings, kings that would send the people in the ways of the Lord, and then kings that would pull them back towards idolatry and witchcraft and all these things. And it was this up and down motion of good and bad kings. Israel is taken over by the Assyrians, and they're taken into captivity. And then years later, Babylon invades Judah and takes them all into captivity. So we pick up with Nehemiah. He's in captivity in Babylon. And so, looking at his book, chapter 1, you have the following. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Chislev. Circle Chislev and mark that. We'll come back to that. It's going to be important. In the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, one of my brothers, Hanani, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews that survived, those who, been, who had escaped captivity, and about Jerusalem. They replied, the survivors there are in the province who escaped captivity, are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Then he goes on to do this wonderful prayer, and at the end, he has this one request. Give success to your servant today, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. And it says, at that time, I was the cupbearer to the king. And then chapter 2 picks up in the month of Nisan, and I just want to touch on these two months real quick before we continue. So, um, they didn't have our typical calendar with January, February, March, April, May. He's using the Jewish calendar. And the month of Chislev um, is roughly November and December, while the month of Nisan is March and April. And get this part right here. Nehemiah was a person who knew who to put first. He didn't 
hear the words of what was happening in Jerusalem and about the wall, and it's like, you know what, I got to go do something. He didn't just march off to Jerusalem ready to fight and do things himself. He didn't demand to see the king or anything like that. He stopped, he fasted, and he prayed and sought God. And if you notice this timeline, it wasn't a couple of days or a week. This was several, several months. And according to my calculations, this was about five to six months. And someone needs to hear this word. Sometimes when God seems silent, those are times you need to keep pressing into him until he responds. Five to six months, he sought after God. And then, picking up in chapter 2, he finally gets that kind of audience with the king. It starts off with him going to the king, and the king noticed that he is upset. And the king is like, Nehemiah, what is wrong? And Nehemiah tells him what's wrong. But before he even does that, he said, I pray to God of heaven. And when he gave the king's request, he said, Then I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let the letters be given to me, to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may grant me passage until I arrive in Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, directing him to give me timber to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And because Nehemiah sought God first, the king granted me what I asked, for the gracious hand of my God was upon me. I loved how Nehemiah went to God first. He is given what he needs, and then he's off to Jerusalem. But his part's important. Get this. He doesn't go building immediately. Picking up in verse 11, we have the following. So I came to Jerusalem and was there for three days. Then I got up during the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the animal I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate, past the dragon spring, into the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down, and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no place for my animal I was riding to continue. So I went by way of the valley by night, and I inspected the wall. Then I turned back and entered the valley gate, and so returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest that were to do the work. Nehemiah, before he starts anything, he gets alone with God and seeks him. And if you're going to study this book, I'd recommend going to Google and printing off a picture of the wall because they'll throw a lot of names out there that make no sense and unless you know what he's doing. But Nehemiah gets alone with God and he starts walking around Jerusalem and he's like, oh Lord, yes, we're going to do great work here. We're going to do great work here. Yes, bless this right here. We got to do work here. Bless this, Lord. Bless this. He does this all night and just bless this and bless this. And we're going to do great work here. Oh, God, you are so good. Bless this work here. Bless our hands. Bless this person here. Bless it. Bless it. Let us do this work unto your name. And we'll just keep blessing this and blessing this. And then he comes back after being out by himself and spend time with God. And then he goes to these people. And then he said to them, you see the trouble we are in now? How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we may no longer suffer disgrace. I told him that the hand of God had been given, had been gracious upon me, and also the words that the king had spoken to me. Then they said, let us start building. So they committed themselves to the common good. There's a lot of wisdom with Nehemiah by putting God first, because you see this man starting off as a lowly slave. He sought God first, and he is given favor before the king. 
He goes to Jerusalem, and he seats God first, and he is given favor before all these people who were gathered there. Because these weren't the best of the best. The Babylonians had come in, had killed a bunch of people, taken some into captivity, and all that were left were really the poorest of the poor. And these would have been the people who would have been like, you know what, let's be done with Jerusalem. Let's pack up and leave before we're attacked. But Nehemiah comes in, spends this time alone with God by putting him first, and you see these people who are probably full of fear and doubt saying, we're committed to what you want us to do, Nehemiah. The change you seek often starts with your time with God. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And then again, the New Testament, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, says in chapter 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously, and all these things will be given unto you. He's saying, seek God first in whatever it may be, from big decisions to the smallest decisions. Seek him above everything else, and then all these things you worried about, finances for a mission trip, um, work, job, all these things he will answer if you keep pressing into him. So seek God first. So the challenge that I left with the youth group during one of our breakout sessions was this. And this is for everybody. What is one thing you can change in your walk today that will help you go deeper with the Lord this year? Just one thing. It could be more time in prayer. It could be more time fellowship with other believers. Be more time in the word. For some people, they might be more time fasting this year. But whatever it may be, put God first, seek him first, and then watch him show up. Even during those times where he seems silent, like the song said, he's making a way when I don't see it, when I don't feel it, he is making a way. And I'm in with this quote that comes from Hamp, and it's this. Seek God's face, and his hand will follow All right, let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, just thank you for today. Thank you for this word. And God, I just pray right now that this word will just touch hearts as it needs to. That people here will look to you and put you first. That for those of us who have been walking with you for a long time and might have veered off a little little bit, I pray today, this minute, this second, we make that change to turn our hearts back to you. I don't know if there's anybody here who has heard the gospel and does not yet believe. I just want to lead you in a quick prayer. If you're feeling and believing that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is a way maker, that he is the son of God, that he was crucified, dead and buried for three days, resurrected and now sits at the right hand of God. If that falls to you, and I ask the entire church to do this prayer with me, this is your time to get to know Christ, to press into his ways. The prayer goes like this. Dear Lord, repeat after me. Dear Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Right now, I repent of my sins. I look to you to guide me, to love me, to show me mercy, to fill my heart with your love so I can go and show grace to others. Help me, Lord, to walk out this call in my life as I seek after you. 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good and God wins. Amen. That's all I got, but thank you, God, for letting me share and pray that this day things change for you and that you will put God first.